0: How's it going, everybody? It is right at 10 o'clock on Friday, September the 27th, 2019. And it is time for a very special trip down the homeward path, because this is our 50th episode. For those of you who don't know, if, you know who are just now tuning in, this is the show by myself. My name is Adam. I'm a husband, father, hold down a full-time factory job, uh, three children, a relationship that's working on its 15th year and somehow some way competitive magic finds a way to happen anyway. So this is the show for all of you. Now I'm not going to be diving into a lot of individual card interactions or anything like that this week because this episode is special. I never expected to get to 50 episodes. If I'm being perfectly honest, I didn't think I would have enough to talk about. I definitely didn't think there would be enough interest to get to 50 episodes. So the first thing I want to say before I go any farther is thank you to everyone that has listened. Even if you've only listened to part of an episode, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart because I could not and would not continue doing this without you. We've tried a lot of different formats over the last year. We've tried a lot of different things on this show. And some of it's worked, a lot of it hasn't. But through it all, the message of, you know, playing on a budget, whether it's time or financial, and finding ways to optimize what little resources we have available as, you know, people who put magic second, that's the goal, that's the the idea. And I hope that has has come through for everyone, and I would I would think that it has, or there wouldn't be enough of a demand to continue doing this. So, what I wanted to talk about this week is episode fifty is a is a very good milestone, and it gives me an opportunity to do some honest self evaluation on the last year, uh, both on myself as a content creator and on myself as a magic player. Some of you may remember my magic goals episode uh, going into the new year. We're, we're going to look at some of those. So while we're looking at stuff, you can look at our sponsor over at inkgaming.com and improve the look of your playing space. Use our promo code CCMTG10 at checkout, get 10% off your order. Uh, yeah. I don't know what to tell you there while you're, while you're at it. Look at the content on the network, constructedcriticism.com. This is the final episode of Constructed Criticism that's going to feature Mason and Trey. It just released this week. So make sure you head over there, Let the, listen to it, watch it, how, you know, however you're going to consume the media. Let them know how much you appreciate what all they did. It was great to finally get to meet at least one of them uh, last weekend when I went to the Titans game. I guess it was 2 weeks ago now, but regardless it was great to finally get to meet them. One of them, I got to meet Trey. Uh a, did a little tailgating before the game. Shot the breeze about about magic, podcasting, writing stuff, you know. The the Titans season as a whole, which was just depressing for everybody involved. Uh, and then, you know, common knowledge is I would say inarguably the best pauper podcast on the web. There's still nothing quite like the Hive Mind or 10th Street Hooligans anywhere else on the web. We really have something for everybody, so you need to check it out. And if you really like what I'm doing and you want to help me continue doing it, head over to patreon.com slash homerpathmtg. This show and everything I make will always be free. But... If you like what I'm doing enough to help keep, help me keep doing it, please feel free to pledge. I will make sure it goes to good use. So with all that out of the way, let's get started because I don't want to do a while we were away. I don't want to do any, I don't want to talk about Eldrin yet. I've barely gotten my hands on the cards. What I want to talk about is how the last year has gone for me as a magic player and as a content creator. And we're going to start with the last year as a player because as a content creator, it's a whole lot more personal. <laughs> as a magic player over the last year, I've gone from... When I first started this podcast, my first episode was during the summer of 2018, ironically, a, a, you know roughly a month ago last year. And I was in the middle of a slump where I was barely playing. I was getting ready for rotation. My mind, body, and soul were ready for Kaladesh and Amenkat to rotate. I was tired of playing against Red Black Chain Whirler. I had played Mono Red almost exclusively for, you know, six months just because I didn't want to buy into anything else. I had gotten into a modern deck that I also didn't like all that much. Just everything about it could have been worse, could have been better. (laughs) We spent a lot of time not talking or not, not doing the things that I said I wanted to do when I started the show. And since I've done, since I've started the show, I feel like I have improved a lot in that, in that regard. I said this time, I said in uh, January or end of December, one of my goals for the year was to play more Magic. And between Arena, the, the proximity to my local game store, and the fact that I have drummed up interest in the game at work, I am definitely doing that. Four days a week, if I really want to, I can play three. I can play a best of three sideboarded match over the course of a day at work. Play game one on first break, game two on lunch, or you know, sideboard then game two on lunch and then game three on last break. I can do that every day. I can play both sides of that matchup. You know, we can we can test that matchup to death if we want to. Now Tim is is still learning. He's still learning new new tactics and you know how to play decks optimally but the fact of the matter is he's not far off once he gets his hands on the deck especially once we switch when we're playing both sides and he's watched me play the matchup from the other side enough he starts picking up on what i'm doing and understanding how to attack at a fundamental level so that is really valuable testing time that i get both in trying to determine whether or not a deck I think is good is good, but also in determining finer points of like ironing out play lines, things like that. Like we're getting a lot of quality reps just with the games at work to say nothing of being able to walk five minutes up the road to my game store or playing, you know, jamming out my, my arena wins every day. For those who don't know my goal with arena, typically at least is to play until I finish my daily quests and get four wins every day that I can. Now, some, some weeks are better than others. Uh, last night I got to do it pretty quickly, but other, you know, other weeks I go three or four days without getting to play. And then I log on and I have to play longer to get all those dailies done. But the goal is to get a bunch of gold you know, I'm playing towards something a building towards something when I play arena. I am testing a deck, I am finishing quests to get a bunch of gold and then after that if I haven't finished my wins, well we're going to test a deck. We're going to play something I'm, you know, I play something with a purpose. And then the idea is to stockpile gold pro- based on what I got from the uh, the uh Eldraine splurge where I dumped 30,000 gold and you know, all my promo codes into it. I'm, I'm not in a bad position to be able to build a deck or two in Eldrain Standard without having to buy a bunch of packs. I may get, you know, 10 or 11 more packs of Eldrain over the course of, of the time and of its time and as the primary format. And then the rest of it is just going to be stockpiling gold for Theros in February. I'm going to try to get just an unreasonable amount of gold so I can get a lot of resources together for that standard format. Does that make sense? I hope it does. You know, I, I got the 30,000 for uh drain over the course of like three or four weeks and put myself in a, in a reasonable position, being able to adopt that same principle, you know, get, 20, 30 packs, and then just start saving again, just stockpile all the gold that I can for the next one. That's going to be big. That's going to be a big deal. So that's where we are on playing magic. Just the volume, the quantity upwards of three games a day at work upwards of, you know, Five to six games on arena, usually somewhere around five. This is, we'll we'll lose one either due to a bad pairing or bad matchup or me just playing awful, misplaying. You know the the old uh, thought uh, thought erasure, your null hide ferox, because we don't read cards that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> things of that nature. you know, whatever it takes. So the quantity of games that I'm getting in is, has swelled dramatically in the last year, but more than that, the quality of games that I'm getting in has improved dramatically over the last year because I love my wife, but Sarah's heart is not in it when it comes to testing for events. She is going to play the deck that she likes the most. And I am just going to throw stuff at it and see what, what it, lose it yeah what loses to it that's largely how we how we test for events here at the house Sarah likes what she likes when it comes to playing magic she is very set in her ways she largely likes being the aggressor and making you have it once in a while we'll 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 get a burr in in the in the brain and have to build a brew Those of you who remember uh, Hour of Devastation game day remember the Construct Tribal deck that she built that was quite honestly a little bit of a thing of beauty, but she refused to play the most powerful card in that deck because the math surrounding it in that deck was very confusing. Uh, Notably, it was Walking Ballista alongside Chief of the Foundry, Foundry Inspector, and Metallic Mimic. Which made it sometimes unreasonably difficult to determine how much mana you had to pay for how big a Ballista. If you've got a Foundry Inspector, a Metallic Mimic, and a Chief in play, your Ballista is going to come down as a. How big? Oh, so if you spend. If you've got Inspector, Found, uh, Chief, and Metallic Mimic, that means for zero mana. For zero mana, you get a 2-2, a 1-1 with a plus-one, plus-one counter. For one mana, you get a 3-3, three, three, a 1-1 a one, one with two plus-one, plus-one counters. And then at three mana, you get a, what is it, a 4-4, four, four, you get a 1-1 a one, one with three plus-one, plus-one counters. <laughs> Then you start adding in additional ones onto the mix, and she was never super com- comfortable with double X anyway. And then you start throwing in cost reduction effects and then effects that'll add extra plus one, plus one counters, and things just went nutty in a hurry. Was it fun? Oh, my heavens. Yes, it was great. It was a ton of fun to play. It was basically hardened scales and standard. Like, that's what it felt like playing. Like we were doing cool stuff with scrap trawler before anybody else, you know, sacrifice a Bomat courier to draw a bunch of cards and scrap trawler lets you buy back your walking ballista. <laughs> like that's kind of nutty. <laughs> so just all the way around, like that that's my testing partner, right? We, we, She's much more interested in doing doing cool stuff or doing the kind of stuff she likes than she is in trying to help me determine major points in, you know, deck building, deck choice, metagame trends, that kind of thing. She's definitely more suited to being a casual magic player. She plays magic because she wants to have fun. And when, when a matchup is not good and we're trying to figure out how to improve it, That's not fun for her. She doesn't want to be involved in 80-20 matchups on either side. She doesn't like delivering the the bludgeoning just as she doesn't like receiving the bludgeoning in that matchup. So, The fact that I am getting more games in against other more competitive-minded people is a big, big, big deal. The quality of Magic that I've been playing has improved dramatically because of it. I am finding myself talking through play lines a lot more because like even when I'm by myself playing arena, I'm whispering to myself as to what my opponent might have. I'm whispering as to what I think their play sequence is going to be, what deck they're playing, you know, all of the little things you have to consider when you're playing all of the things that I kind of got rusty about when I took that, not, not necessarily a break during the summer, but I sure wasn't playing up to my potential So getting myself back into that frame of mind, getting myself back into the mindset of playing, you know, playing with the goal, making sure I'm doing you know, doing the kinds of things that I need to do to put myself in position to win. We're doing all of that right. And then the other thing I said is I wanted to play experience magic at its at its highest level, and at least based on what I can get to. Now, I had a couple of opportunities. I played my first PPTQ last October. And it did not go well. Uh, I misplayed. And moreover, I was about a week and a half behind on technology. So I was playing mono red against a field that had built their decks to beat it. Well, not a good look for me. It was not a good look for me at all. So... Going into uh, Grand Prix Memphis, I ended up settling on a deck that I was really comfortable with rather than playing one that I thought was, you know, the absolute be-all, end-all, best deck, best collection of cards. And that deck was Mono Blue Tempo. I put in a lot of work with it, both on Arena and in person. Got really comfortable with it. And then promptly started the the day off against a deck I had never seen before in Mardu Midrange uh opponent swore it was mardu control but i mean it was mardu with treasure map karn and lots and lots of removal and main deck duress like i swear i think i came across the same person on uh arena a few days ago because it was almost the exact same recipe and it's like really frustrating to play against but you know you respect the person who's willing to bring that to the event and then we played against Goblins. And then we played against the Mirror in one, or we played against Bant and Climb in one, and then we played against the Mirror in one. And then we lost to uh, Racto Spectacle Aggro. So, you know, what do you want me to do here? <laughs> uh, other than win the games that are in front of me and not complain about it. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, I had never played in a Grand Prix before. I had... Barely played in side events the year before. I think I played in two events last, the, the 2000, uh, 2017 or 2018 Grand Prix Memphis. I played in two side events and it was a standard and then the standard double up the next day. So this time I decided to just dip my toe into the main event and see what it felt like. And the fact of the matter is as someone who had never played a Grand Prix before playing on a budget I was very pleasantly surprised to get two wins. I was expecting it to be like every other major event that I'd played. I played a PTQ in Minneapolis in 2008. I believe it was, it was extended and I tried to play storm on short notice, bad look. And then a regional in Memphis, Tennessee, that same summer, summer 2008, in which I completely torpedoed my chances of doing well because I was more interested in beating my friend Justin than I was in trying to do well at the event. I didn't want to, I didn't want to lose to his deck because for some reason I was expecting us to get paired against each other in a room of like 300 people. So I built a deck designed, you know, really, really, keenly i ended up just kind of slapping together a mid-range pile and it didn't do well and i got mad and it wasn't anybody's fault but mine what are you gonna do so to get to go from one three drop one three drop both just abysmal performances with bad decks or bad deck choices to start oh two battle back to put myself in a position and then just lose a, a close matchup in in three games to to knock me out of day two contention at my first grand prix i'm like i was a little disappointed i didn't do better but i wasn't sad like I put the work in. I wasn't going in with an expectation of anything other than to play the games in front of me and see how things went. And they went better than I thought they would. And then I turned around the next day and like lost an absolute gut-wrencher to uh, another version of the Recto Spectacle Aggro. Really, really, really close game. And then beat the pants off a team of reclamation in the in the standard double up we played three rounds i was one one after two and my opponent and i in round three decided to to, decided to draw take our take our prize ticks and leave because you know i had to get home so at the end of the day like i was i was pleased with how that experience went I've also been playing more of the local tournaments instead of just kind of talking my game up and, and seeing how we do. The biggest thing I've been surprised by in the last year is my resilience at events. Because in previous years, if I started bad, I would just stay bad the whole way. And even last year, if I started bad, I'd stay bad. I'd be, I'd have that nagging in the back of my head, but you know, Memphis, I started 0-2 and won two in a row before losing again. At at my my FM or my, my Saturday night modern a, a few weeks ago, I started 0-1. And I battled all the way back, went from 01 to 3-1. There were some, you know, there were some draws, there were some questionable things that came up. From you know, there were there were some uh there was pair downs that the person that got paired up in the matchup won. And I ended up taking the thing down on tiebreakers. We also had another Saturday Night Modern a couple of weeks before where I started 0 one I drew against Team Reclamation and then lost to uh, Devoted, Devoted Druid. Well, then I turned around and beat the next two opponents I played. So it's not impossible. I'm I'm finally getting it through my head that it's not impossible to rebound from a bad start. I'm finally getting it through my head that I can play better Magic than I ever thought I could if all I do is focus on the games in front of me. So I feel really good about where I've improved as a Magic player over the last year. And that brings me to the other side of it. When I started this show, in, in truth, I started it on my personal blog. Probably about, probably about the time that I did. Uh, what was it? it was it was a little while after, uh, Ixalan released. And I, I did, I at that time, I did hour-long episodes. I would, I, I would record half on my way to work and half on the way home. And I was talking like I was an expert in everything. I was talking like I knew more than anyone else that might be listening. And I was just everything that I hated about magic content creation when I was younger. You know a lot of the more, more vocal pro players just kind of came off as arrogant phalluses. And I did not want to do that, but there I was doing it. So when the decision was made for me to move from my personal blog over to constructivecriticism.com become a part of this great network. One of the things Spencer wanted to talk about was to differentiate myself from other shows. And that got me thinking about why I did the show in the first place, why I wanted to do the podcast to begin with. It was when I came back to magic after my, my sabbatical, if you will, I took a five year break in which I just like, I kept an eye on stuff, but I didn't play and I didn't have any cards. I sold all my cards because we found ourselves in a financial rough spot. And I just, after having to sell my collection, I couldn't bear to, to to play for a while. And after after coming back to the game, selling out of a different game to to finance the the move back in, it was it was amazing to make the change. Because one of the things that one of the first things I did is I reached out to friends of mine that I knew were still playing and I said, hey, what's some helpful content? that can help me in my transition back into learning competitive magic. I want to be as competitive as I can. And Andrew was the first person who suggested constructive criticism. I said, what is that? And he said, Oh, it's a podcast. And I said, Oh, okay. Well, I don't normally like these, these kinds of things, but yeah, let's, let's see what we can, let's see what, see how it goes. And I I can't remember which episode I listened to first, but it was about, it was around, uh, probably a month or so after Kaladesh released that I really started, you know, trying to gear up, get back into it, you know, really get my feet wet, jump in with both feet and Spencer and Michael were so knowledgeable, so entertaining so clear and concise with the points that they were making. It didn't feel like I was being talked down to, and I knew I was hooked. But for all the greatness that there was was and still is in constructed criticism as a show, the one thing missing was the the audience, because I was not their target audience. I love the show. I still listen as, as much as I can but I'm not the target audience of that show. They're, they're more interested in people that are trying to make professional magic a goal. You know, you want to be the best, the best magic player. You can be always improving. If you're not getting better, you're getting worse. Yes. But with the end goal, eventually to become one of the best. And that just wasn't where I was at this point in my life. I'm, you know, working 42 hours a week. I'm, juggling being a husband, being a father, you know, being a good son, brother, you know, my family's in this area too. Magic has always been something that I've enjoyed, but it's always been something that's had to go back down the list on priorities a little bit. And there was no podcast or content out there that I could find for someone like me. And that's what got me thinking about the. It's it's an old movie. I say old movie for some of you. It's an old movie. Uh, I want to say two thousand five, two thousand six. I, I think is when it came out. I can't remember. But the movie's called Robots. And in it, one of the the characters had a slogan for his company. You know, the the big business tycoon had a slogan for his company, which was "See a need." fill a need and the more i thought about it the more i decided i wanted to be the one to fill that need because there are plenty of people in my situation who are very bitter who are very angry i don't want to be that person you know even though we are not you know even though i am probably never going to play at a at a players tour or a uh Mythic Championship. I. That's something I've resigned myself to that fact a while ago. Even if I never play in that situation, I've made peace with that. And it's made me realize that I can be a positive influence on the magic community without having results to to throw in someone's face when they're contradictory. Somebody doesn't like what we're doing here. No amount of me having GP top eights or mythic championship appearances is going to change that. If somebody doesn't like you, they don't like you. That's fine. And that was was what pushed me into doing this show in the first place. Listening to the kind of, of content creator I aspired to be and listening to constructive criticism and then realizing what I wanted to do with my content. So I think over the last year, we've done a really good job Trying to stick with that, trying to be lighthearted, trying to put an emphasis on things outside of, you know, specific decks, formats, cards as much as possible. Especially since uh, Nolan was born and I launched uh, Writing in Cars to take care of the other side, to take care of specific decks, specific formats, that kind of thing. I feel like the fact that I've gotten that out of Homeward Path and moved it to its own place has made Homeward Path a better show too. So what is it that I what is it that I'm coming to here at the end of the day? Honest self evaluation is one of the most important things you can do, not just in magic, but in life. Realizing where you are, where you've been over the last year, and what you can do to improve because there's always, always something you can do to improve. There's definitely always something I can do to improve. So over the next year, my goal is to kind of double down on what I was doing last year. I want to play more magic. I want to play more meaningful and, you know, more, more magic with an emphasis on learning and improving And if the opportunity arises for me to play more high, more high level events, I'm going to try to take it, but rather than try to, you know, okay, I had a decent year. Well, now I'm, now I'm ready to take a take the next step and go all the way up to the top. No, no, I'm not, you know, the realization as a, as a magic player over the last year is I'm, I'm good where I am. I like building a community. I like bringing more people into the game a lot more than I like telling everybody how good I am at at playing magic. I would rather get to share this, this game with as many people as I can than I would to, you know, stand atop the mountain with the, with the giant check in my hand, I think. Because uh, you know this game has meant a lot to me over the years. I've been playing Magic now for almost 15 years. Uh, the day the day Eldraine releases it'll be 15 years. Because I my, my first deck I bought in 2004 when Champions of Kamigawa released. And that's where that's where this all started. 15 years of playing magic. Coincidentally, that's the same year that I met my wife. Or that, well, that I started dating my wife anyway. No, I take that back. It'll be... that uh, It was the year before I met my wife. I've literally been playing magic longer than I have been in my long-term relationship i have a longer-term relationship with magic than i do with my wife and we have 3 children together <laughs> like and we've bonded together through magic i've made friendships through magic you know people that i people that i respect and and love and yeah, you know, I, I I'll call him out by name right now. My best friend Brett. Yeah, we've been best friends forever. We've been best friends for twenty five years. But he was the one that convinced me to try magic, and I'm super glad he did. At my first LGS, one of the first people I ran into when I came through the door. Now he doesn't play magic anymore, but magic was kind of what got our foot in the door and made us friends, and that's. Uh, that's our our friend Chad. At that same first LGS appearance, I met Brian Canada. Some of you may know him better as Cure for the Common Game on YouTube. And Brian has been one of my best Magic friends since the moment we met because you could just feel the passion, the enthusiasm, the excitement about playing magic with other people just kind of dripping off of him. It was, like, it was like tangible in the air almost. Going from there, you know, one of the one of the first people that really helped push me in a more competitive direction in magic was was my friend Matt and we we lost touch for a little while but as soon as we met, as soon as we caught back up with each other it was just like old times yeah we're both older yeah we both got a lot going on he's also a father of 3 and managing a job and uh, a relationship that just gave us even more in common that made it easier for us to get along And then when I moved up north, the players who helped me see that I was not doing myself any favors by trying to show everybody how smart I was as a player. Lance, Mike, Derek, I miss you guys. I really do. And I hope you're listening. And even if you're not, maybe it'll get around. I hope it does. As much as, I, as much as I'm glad we moved back down here, I do miss some of the people I played with up north. And then when I got back down here, I wouldn't be able to play the way I want to today if I didn't have Goose. I wouldn't be able to play the way I, am, I, I do today if I didn't have people like Nick, like Pablo, like Zach, like uh Steven, Kevin y'all are the best. And that's really what this is about. It's about the connections we make. It's about the 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 community we build together in this game. That's what I want I've I've wanted the focus of this show to be since I started it. So I want to thank everyone who stuck around this long, who's come with me through this wonderful little emotional roller coaster. I've got some, uh, I've got a couple of tears trying to well up in the side of my eye right now, but I want to thank everybody who stuck around for this, this emotional roller coaster. I want to thank everybody who has been here since day one, or even since yesterday, listening to the show. You're the reason I do this. I don't do this for me. I do this so I can give something back. I do this so that I can try to leave something positive behind so that if my children decide they want to pick up this game, I feel comfortable letting them do it with the environment that they're going to be in to do it in. They already love watching daddy play magic on the computer. They hear, they hear arena's music start up and they'll come running in from the other side of the house. So, That's all I've got for this week. Everybody. I had a a very special outro planned, but, uh, in trying to record it yesterday, I was coming in the door. The goal was to let you hear the sounds I hear when I come in the door at the end of my homeward path. And when I came through the door, literally everyone else in the house was asleep. Sarah and all three of the children were sound asleep. Not a single sound was made other than the door closing behind me. So (laughs) We're, we're going to, we're going to pivot away from that. Um, So that just brings us to the end of the show as, as per usual, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Homeward Path MTG. You can find me on Facebook. My name is Adam Spain. You can find me on YouTube. I'm Homeward Path Gaming. Uh, That's where we do riding in cars with cards. And eventually I'll start, you know, if I get any particularly exciting arena gameplay or, you know, a match against a friend that I want to share or something like that, I'll start putting those up there as well. Uh, and then again, if you want to support this show, you want to help me make it to another 50, patreon.com slash I appreciate all of you that have, have supported me over the last year, Kevin, Luke, Jamie, Jason, I appreciate all of you. Everything, everything has, has, it's, it's the most gratifying email you can receive. It's, it's the, the, the light bulb coming on at the end of a dark hallway. It's kind of what it feels like sometimes. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for, for showing me how much I mean to you. It's, it's what lets me get to 50 episodes and it's, what's going to help me get to another 50. So, uh, we'll be back on Monday, uh, riding in cars with cards, probably going to be talking about either calamity red, uh, because I already talked about the Gates deck, probably going to be talking about either Calamity Red or uh, I'm not going to do an episode on Simic Flash because Mythic Cast on Constructed Criticism literally just did that with somebody who hit Mythic with the deck during the Standard 2020 event. So that's a much better resource than anything I could hope to give you. Uh, So something like Calamity Red or uh, is it either Phoenix or Drake's I haven't decided yet. I'm not in love with where the, the actual Phoenix deck is without finale of promise and standard. I think that was the card that really kind of pushed it over the top from a deck that was really good. If nobody respected it to a deck that was just really good and losing the ability to play that card as effectively as something that I'm not super here for. Uh, but regardless, we're going to be talking about some kind of post Eldraine standard deck. I might even have a really spicy one for you, depending on whether or not Stephen can get me, a, get me a deck list out here. I want to do a little bit of tuning with it because it sounds super sweet. It's, uh, it's a rather fiery archetype, if you will. But that's going to wrap it up for this week, everybody. Again, thank you for listening. Thank you for being there for the last 50 I hope you'll stick around for the next one. And with that, we'll send you home. Thanks again.